0: The term "murder hobo" is a recently popularized term. It is, however, a surprisingly accurate description of the tendency for some D and D players to use killing as their primary problem-solving tool. Is it the result of video game culture, antagonistic DMs? Maybe it's just the nature of playing D and D. We'll discuss how players become murder hobos this week on Dungeons and Tangents. i'm jake and uh today we're going to be talking about murder hobos and not how to rehabilitate your players but what leads to your players becoming murder hobos
1: Uh, what's the collective term for a group of murder hobos we do want to
0: define our terms first
1: is it uh, murder hobi oh okay gotcha
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think it's just a, a party
0: a, a, <laughs> a, a party, a party, not a party of murder hobos. Just it's party. multiple murder hobos is a party.
1: A party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That rings true to my lived experience. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs> on board.
0: Yeah. So I personally, and maybe I'm naive because I've only been DMing for two years, two and a half years. I don't particularly like murder hobos. I it feels like the game falls apart when players start uh killing everything that moves, and every time they see something that isn 't uh, you know is is out in the wilderness they 're just like they pull their knives, they pull their arrows, and uh roll initiative and kill everything it it's um it it's as if they have reduced the game to a mechanical game and it is no longer uh, a re represent- a representation of reality. We're not playing a fantasy anymore. We're playing a video game where every time you see something move, you shoot at it. So, we, how do you get there?
2: We how mentioned do, how do the players before get there? Um, in an earlier episode about using the mechanic of the pocket dimension within a pocket dimension and how oh, we yeah. use that to get rid of a character. That character specifically was a PC that I was playing that had. I had a character concept I would come up with when we started the campaign, uh, abandoned it pretty much immediately, and, and became just a pure, just killed everything that moved. Um, and then it became obvious that that was, that, that happened for, to try to facilitate and move something forward for a specific instance, but because it was so early in the campaign, it kind of set the tone for that character, and it was hard to get back. It was almost impossible to, to rationalize the kind of almost comedic, Concept to have that character in the beginning, right? Because mm-hmm. no, he's a fucking psychopath. He's not. He's, <laughs> it's not like this lovable character anymore.
0: So your character got into a, a state of, uh, what's it called? Uh, cognitive dissonance with himself that his early behavior had to be continued, otherwise his sense of identity didn't exist.
2: And, and it just didn't make sense Getting narratively Freudian. either because I had made decisions for my character as a player to resolve the situation with no regard to. What my character would have actually done, I just kind of slipped into it. I wasn't thinking about it. It was a new game, and I was, I, was I, I felt like I saw what needed to be done, and I could I could figure out how to do it mechanically, story be damned. What, what it's a bad what, move on my part?
0: I, I can't remember. What was the, the 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 beginning of this downhill slide?
2: Um, it, I think it was when you stabbed me with an imp. Oh
0: yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: And it and just, then
0: you just tried to kill everything.
2: Yeah, and, 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 and <laughs> well, it, bec- it became obvious that I was. Really good at killing the stuff we were in combat with, <laughs> which I should not have been. Like I, I got some lucky rolls, and then I oh yeah, came, I got uh, I think I leveled and took a spell that helped things out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, well, it's not fun for the other players anymore to have somebody in their party who's going to be resolving things the same way over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it felt oh. like it was taking away options for narrative resolution that other characters could bring to the table.
0: I think uh it's well, first off, you were the most senior player, like the person who had played the most D and D of that group. So you were setting the tone for everybody else.
2: Which wasn't my intention. No, it may not have been in your
0: intention, mm-hmm. but that's one of those things that can lead to murder hoboism is if everybody's looking up to one person and that one person knows how to resolve the things because that's what they know or that's how they resolve that particular situation.
2: Right. And my intention being, well, I'm going to resolve this so you guys can go ahead with the story and then what happened was like, oh, well, that's how we get shit done. And was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> So that character had to go and so we came up with this narrative like, Eric and I actually like, planned this for two or three weeks We're like, how do we get rid of this character? <laughs> this character's awful. It's just not working out because um, we had a, a, a party of characters and players who were phenomenal we really wanted yeah. to, to see, you know, as soon as they, they had a situation where they became engaged, they all would just shine. And <laughs> I, I would just sit back and like, oh, this is awesome. I love playing <laughs> d d um, Fly, my ducklings, fly. <laughs> and it, was just, it was so much fun. And I, we wanted more of that. So it was like this, this, nothing about this character helps encourage that. So we got to get rid of this character. Um, and so we figured out a way to do that. And it's, it's super, I guess my point is it's super easy to slip into that. And it's really mm-hmm. hard to come back from it for a character. Not, not a player, but for a character, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a big part of it is you're at the most risk in the beginning of a character concept. And once you get it established and you start thinking, like, how would my character do that? Then mm-hmm. you're, you've kind of entered this, I don't want to say like a safe zone, but a much safer zone because you're always at risk <laughs> where like, it's a little more gelled in your head of, of how your character would behave. Mm-hmm.
0: So I have I have kind of crib notes of... Things that, that I've heard of that are common uh, causes of murder hoboism. And one of them that was definitely at play during that campaign was an overabundance of NPCs that were just not. There weren't NPCs that were socially acceptable. The people you interacted with were portraying this, they were all jackasses.
2: We, whether it was true or not, we had the perception that they all wanted to kill us. Right.
0: Uh. So if every if if the world looks like everyone wants to kill you, of course your response is going to be kill everyone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so easily. How, how do how do you become a murder hobo? It's like pretty damn easy at first.
1: <laughs> well, and, I, and this might be kind of focusing more on the player than the the character, but. I almost wonder if we're all murder hobos just out of the box because almost every video game and every role playing esque experience that you kind of define role playing by your first few games is essentially murder things until you get more powerful so you can yeah. murder more powerful things. Mm-hmm. Um, all the narration takes place in cutscenes or stuff that you have to sit through while you're not murdering right. things. Um, like even Mario, the most happy, fun game ever. <laughs> Uh, is all about murdering the agents of evil uh by jumping on them <laughs> right
0: or hitting them with a hat
1: i mean, also that
0: <laughs> i mean that's a new twist but uh yeah it's like it's like you don't have a people perceive that they don't have a choice mm-hmm. other than murder and which there's there's two things going on there one is that they've been uh, conditioned to believe that murder is is the they they have a hammer or in this case <laughs> they have a sword yep. in their hands you put a sword in their hands what are you going to do with your sword slash hammer you're going to hit mm-hmm. things with it um, if you put in their hands uh skills which is something that wasn 't in early d and d or mm-hmm. it wasn't very prominent in early d and d skills like animal handling or deception or insight or all, all, of the, all of the skills, they have a different hammer, and they're going to hit things with that instead of just the sword. Mm-hmm. So making your players aware that there are multiple tools to play with, and some of those tools have nothing to do with killing.
2: <laughs> Actually, this made me realize something, and I'm going to put a spoiler alert in here, and I'm going to ask the two of you, and if it's a problem, I'm not going to go into this, but uh, first of all, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Thor Ragnarok. Have you two seen it? I have not. Okay.
0: I but have. it's okay. Okay. It's okay. Well,
2: that's the, one of the best Marvel movies, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and it's oh. easily the best Thor movie, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. What happens at the very beginning of that movie? He he recall. gets his ass kicked, if I recall correctly. He loses his hammer.
1: Uh, oh, right. there we go. Yep, yep, yep.
2: And so, all of a sudden, oh. he's not a guy swinging a hammer anymore. He's Thor, and you start to get into that, and it, you know, it's... And I've never, I mean, I'm just going to okay. go out the, the first two Thor movies just a little bit sucked. They're okay. I loved Thor Wagner Rock, every it, part of it. And mm-hmm. one of the best parts of it, other than the soundtrack, which was phenomenal, was Thor. The way he mm-hmm. played, it was just amazing. So, and so humanizing. Yeah.
0: Okay, That's. I was just going to ask, was he having to deal with problems with his personality rather than... Uh, so literally well. a hammer. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. And, and just the, the way your analogy is so directly mm-hmm. and powerfully translated into that example. Yeah. Uh, that I, I thought it was really important. And it, it happens like at the beginning of the movie. Oh right? my God. <laughs> and yeah.
0: I just realized why I hate uh, comic book. I, I hate superheroes. I have a problem. I don't hate. I. Superheroes rub me the wrong way. Okay. And the reason is they're all fucking murder hobos. They don't have a home, and they solve every problem by hitting it.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can buy that. I'll give the flash his fair shake. Well, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He, he solves his problem by running faster than it.
2: And then hitting it. <laughs> <And> then
0: <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> or making sure that he gets to the person who's going to hit it fast enough.
2: There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, again, apologies for anybody who didn't hit the spoiler warning. Yeah, no, i put it in the description, too. But it's the best Thor movie. Easy. Oh, sorry. And it's it's the only one where he's not it's, – it's not, he can't use his go-to. And, in mm-hmm. fact, there's a scene. There's a scene in that movie where he puts his hand out for his hammer, and it doesn't come because it's not. <laughs> right? And it's like, oh, shit. I have to resolve things in a way different than what I'm used to for the past however many hundreds of years he's been alive. Right? So.
1: Oh, so go ahead. And interestingly, I feel like most D&D characters above level, like, five kind of fall in that category, where if you take their primary weapon away outside of fighters and barbarians, almost everybody can do just as well without their weapons. Because at that point, it's mostly their abilities that are providing damage, that are providing mobility, that are providing, Mm -hmm. like, as long as you have a magic focus and, you know, some general ability to move around uh, you've got the vast majority of your kit still available and it it
2: doesn't have to be a literal weapon or a hammer right like take a 20th level rogue right Mm -hmm. what are they if you take away their sneak attack ability it's like it's like the core of their whole damage (laughs) model is based on the fact that if I'm sneaky by, and I love sneak attack because Mm -hmm. I think it's it directly relies on a narrative to justify why that's you get true. that bonus. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of the most powerful role-playing tool mechanics uh, next hmm. to, like, uh, a warlock pact. I think that's a, a <laughs> phenomenal way to create a narrative for your character, right? That's true. Um, yeah. There's, why do you have all this stuff? Well, I made this agreement. Well, I'll tell me all about that, right? <laughs> well, why do you get, you know, plus a gazillion d6 damage to this well because i did this and this and i snuck up and i dressed up like uh, a butler and
1: then (laughs) i (laughs) started all right i'm on board you know you had me a butler (laughs) uh it's funny right now i'm playing a warlock who's a complete pacifist and i didn't realize how much of a murder hobo how much of a murder hobo i was uh until i decided that my character just will not do violence until you are actively trying oh. to murder him um and then and only then if he can't run away and he's very good at running away cuz <laughs> uh then he'll fight you but that's
0: that is a that's an amazing concept because it gets so much at the core of something that's kind of broken about the game
1: and it makes you think about the game in a different way because then all of a sudden it's can i talk my way out of this Mm -hmm. i probably can't can i run away sure (laughs) can i break in somewhere and get what i want without fighting people
2: probably (laughs) (laughs) reminds me of i don't know about to the marvel well but um (laughs) the old uh lou frigno hulk tv show Mm -hmm. right you saw him once maybe twice every episode right oh yeah the rest of that is the the whole episode is banner trying to convince people not to piss him off right like <laughs> it's just, his, every, everything is him focused on trying not to fight you know because uh, yeah, yeah. not because he's afraid but because he knows he has this you know gamma bomb of rage and violence inside of him and he's trying to protect everybody around him
0: right mm-hmm. that's fascinating so this this actually ties into one of the, the things i have as a why people become murder hobos, and that is when they don't perceive that there are any consequences to their actions. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno is his Hulk was worried about the consequences of his actions constantly. He didn't want to fight because the consequences were everyone around him would hate him. There were there were social consequences, and social consequences and D and D don't don't seem to sync up very well mm-hmm. um, unless. I I feel like you kind of have to bake that into your scenario with your players, like, up front in a session zero, say, okay, you all have to buy into some something. Because if you don't, like, if you don't care about, uh, I don't know, your community, your religion, your um, fellow man in some way, then, of course, murder is your first... Option it, it gets that obstacle out of your way. This thing is pissing me off. I'll kill it. Done. But if killing it is against your religion or that person is a part of your community or that person is connected to somebody who's, you know, it's going to come back around to you or you've seen consequences. Like you walk down the street in your first game and there are people in the stocks or people being hung for doing the things that murder hobos do then it might soften your characters a little bit.
1: I know when Maybe. I was a, uh, <laughs> you know, not to come here and tell every DM story I've got, <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, uh, means, please. I think that's kind <laughs> of the premise. Uh, fair enough. I'll, uh, I'll roll up that. Uh, so I was, uh, I was DMing for this group and it was one of their first times and they came across a group of goblins and looking at it, especially in this context, putting your players in a world where they can and should murder everything around them was not my greatest uh, first move. But what I did do is after they'd murdered all the goblins, one of their corpses had fallen off a little cliff deeper into the caves. So they go down there, and there are all the goblin women and children just (laughs) standing there aghast at what has just befallen their tiny goblin community. And at that point, my players got a lot more soft-hearted towards goblins. And they realized, (laughs) like, oh, no nur had a family
2: is <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the um the episode of south park with the um, the woodland creatures and then like the the mountain lion that like hunts them down right oh well
0: it sounds vaguely familiar you watch a lot more south park than i do
2: uh, this is an old episode oh um, i probably saw it and essentially like there's these super cute furry creatures. <laughs> if, if, if you haven't seen it's it, like, it's been like 10 years. It's your fault. Um, <laughs> Is this
0: like a Disney-style
2: anthropomorphics? Um, essentially, yeah. Anthropomorphics? Like, like, like Bambi, these big, dull eyes, yeah, like super familiar. cute creatures. And then they're getting like, like oh, we're afraid of the mountain lion that comes and, and helps us. And um, and they're just super cute. And they're like, okay, well, you know, the, the kids from South are like, well, we'll help you. And they go and they finally kill the... Um, The mountain lion And the little woodland creature Is like Oh great Now we can have uh, Murder orgies And drink blood (laughs) And they're like Wait what And they're like Drawing like You know Pentagram stuff And it's like Okay well we misread This situation completely (laughs) And then they go And they find out The mountain lion Has these two little Baby cubs Like oh you know, like a, okay, you made the worst possible choice. And like and there weren't the, the worst part about it is there was just zero consequences for you. You're just seeing the consequences of what you did affecting everybody else. And it's mm-hmm. gut-wrenching <laughs> guilt of what you did. Um And I feel like especially as DMs, we have to
1: m- flesh out those those villains. Um hmm. Like I know there was a time when my players were clearing out a uh, a necromancer's uh, Horde From his His deep dark dungeon And it turns out All this necromancer Wanted to do Was find a way To allow the dead To communicate With their loved ones And grow food That <laughs> they could You know st- Survive on as, as the undead That weren't brains uh, So after killing him They found his journals And he was days away From a breakthrough But they couldn't make Heads or tails of it So they just left This world changing Revolutionary magic technology There And walked away <laughs> from it uh, we'll just never talk about this again. Right? <laughs> that was where they had to fight an undead half-orc, um, which they were really confused about when I told them they could not try and hit it in the arm with a sword because it was just the bottom half of an orc with knives taped to its shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so messed up.
0: But they're... they're some, somehow you... you the. There are consequences, essentially. To yeah, in that situation, there were consequences to their actions.
1: No one's a villain just to be a villain.
2: Yeah, and and we we keep focused on is the thing that were that your players are killing. Are they villains? Are are they okay? Are they innocent? Whatever. But ultimately, it's it's like kind of like a mirror, right? Well, Mm -hmm. what is what do these actions make you? Are Are you being heroic or are you being a villain? Your players and regardless of the, the consequences or the mechanical reward, like what's the narrative around what you did and why you did it. Um, (laughs) If you made a mistake, I get it. But if you did it because it was the path of least resistance and there was a reward and you didn't think you, you didn't think there'd be any consequence. That's not a heroic action, right? Yeah.
0: And I mean, that, that bears just asking a question at the very beginning of your campaign, which is, do you want to be heroes or do you care? at all about being heroes like do you just want to pl- do you quote just want to play D&D which means potentially devolving into murder hobos and just being the the band of crazy six people who rove the countryside doing whatever they want to whatever um, or do you want to be heroes and I did, I think a lot of games of D&D just start off with let's play D&D but not uh, actually asking that question. Do you want to be heroes? Do you want to be virtuous in your actions? Which, kind of, that that's going to change how me as a DM, I'm going to run the game. I'm going to put black hats in front of you. I'm going to put villains in front of you so you can look like heroes. If all you want to do is play D&D, then I'm probably just going to put a generic, well, gen- yeah, a generic, um, you know, 11th century... Universe with magic in front of you and let you go wild.
1: It's Monster Hunter with dice now. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I guess it's funny. One thing that kind of springs to mind with all this, um, I know I've run a couple campaigns where I intentionally made the first enemy my players fought significantly more powerful than they were. Um, Hmm. In one particular Hmm. instance, they were trying to rescue some you know, child of a, a noble who was not a nice noble, and so they were trying to rescue him. But the butler came out, and the butler turned out to be this you know, super powerful magical construct hmm. um, possessed by a soul, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and he just absolutely beat the crap out of the party. There were death saves. It was the first, <laughs> first campaign. Um, but they all of a sudden realized, I can't just walk through what I think is a cardboard world. There mm-hmm, are other people right. who can stop me. Um, And I feel like Hmm. having the players recognize that they're a a small fish and, you know, not the smallest fish, but a small fish in a very, very big magical pond um, is a good realization to keep their characters humble and not murder hobo.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And I think that touches on something else too. Not how you become a, a murder hobo, but like Why? Yes, it's because in the beginning, short term, it's effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not effective long term, and it's effective short term. But one of the mm-hmm. things that is going to be very uh, kind of a, a splash of cold water is when it's not effective. So your mm-hmm. description of you know a butler all of a sudden kick your ass, like okay, well uh, my go to didn't work. Uh, it's time <laughs> for fresh tactics. Um, <laughs>
0: and uh, I guess one question is, <laughs> I don't like it, but it it sounds like one tactic to avoiding this is teaching your players through situations like that. You're teaching your players, not the characters. Because the characters might all die. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's the best way to teach to avoid it. I think that's, that's a that's a course correction tactic. Yeah. Showing them other options before that's is how you might want to avoid it. And then if they persist, then you might want to do it like a, that correction technique of like, Haha, I'm on the DM, you're screwed. But... <laughs>
1: Well, and I guess I also see it as kind of two separate problems where one is I have narratively decided that I'm going to be the murderiest person ever versus Hmm. I don't understand these mechanics well enough to do anything but murder everything inside. Yeah, that's true.
0: And first-time players... they're going to want to test the waters. They're going to want to try out every mm-hmm. mechanic because that's the stuff that's written down that they know they can do because they can read it and say, oh, look, I can roll a die in order to throw this knife at that person. Mm-hmm. Let me try that. See if it'll work. And that's not necessarily... Like, that doesn't reflect poorly on the player and it shouldn't reflect poorly on the character. It's just the player trying out stuff. And mm-hmm. they should... It's almost like new players should have... uh a, a tutorial run through of like five or six sessions where they get to try out every mechanic before they actually play D and D
1: and knife is a lot easier to understand than con 14 plus two <laughs> <Or> not con, <laughs> charisma. 14 oh yeah. Plus two. There yeah. We go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, if I don't know the first time I played D and D with you, Robert, I was a bard. And so my primary role was supposed to be, well, I didn't know it being the the, the face of the group, being the person that walked up and dealt with the role-playing aspect of the game. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know how that works. What is is role-playing? How do you (laughs) role-play?
2: Well, that's actually a very interesting point because the first time we played, you played a bard, and I thought you did an excellent job of it. You played to the party internally and didn't necessarily play to the NPCs externally. Well, yeah, exactly. But that was what you had fun doing so yeah. When you, yeah and you weren't you weren't exactly sure what was what was expected of that role from you you weren't exactly sure where where your fun was in that dynamic but you mm-hmm. found it right but mm-hmm. when you get a group of five people together and they're all new they're all going to be trying to figure out mm-hmm. what what it is that their class does what it is that the group expects from them and where their fun is that's a lot for one person to figure out much less five people and you put them together it's almost like a moving target of trying to figure out how yeah. what the like, dynamic is, you know? Um, and so that needs to be facilitated and guided as much as possible so that everybody has fun and it doesn't kind of spiral. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And everybody's given, uh, at least what I remember is we're given a character sheet that has all of the, like I I looked at the statistics and I was like, I don't, I, I understand some of this stuff because I played earlier versions of D&D, but with all these skills, I don't know how skills work. I don't know how, I didn't know how initiative worked because <laughs> it had been such a long time.
1: I do know how knife work. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I
0: see knife. I know that every video game I've ever played that's based on a tabletop role-playing game, there are weapons, there are modifiers on the weapons, there are modifiers that come from my skills. I know how combat functions. So I'm going to use that because I know how that functions. And I've got a couple spells, and they look like weapons just with some like flavor text around it.
2: I think that mm-hmm. bard might actually be one of, if not the best, class for a new player not to learn the game, but to learn their style. Because hmm. a fundamental part of the bard class is to is to support the other characters, mm-hmm. and so it's not about you just going and stabbing stuff. It's like, okay, well, how how does that player work, and how does that player work? How can well, I help true. them? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it forces you to think, you know, in, in multiple. Um, layers of of every single encounter not just how do I impact that encounter how do I impact somebody else's ability to impact that encounter
0: there, there are other classes uh, that do similar things um, I listen to a podcast where one player plays a witch it's Pathfinder mm-hmm. and the witch is it's a buff debuff class it's all about cackling and demoralizing the enemy <laughs> or hexing people or whatever it's it's so it's that, but it's that same thing that uh, the witch has to know that the fighter is about to attack this thing so that she can put uh, a hex on it that'll decrease its AC or whatever. Um, but that's, I don't know, that's, a, that's like mechanically understanding. Eh, anyway, it is what it is.
2: It's, it's very similar in that it's a support class that their ability to support is directly tied up in the narrative surrounding that character.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And I love the idea of making somebody do better or worse by cackling. I think that's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> I, I don't uh, know that 5th
0: uh, edition has that class.
1: I
2: mean, we'll put it in.
1: <laughs> uh Speaking of making your character better by cackling, uh, I have a, uh, a, a fuck you DM card, uh, which is <laughs> good for one like crazy ivening, wall jumping, rope swinging, blah, 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 blah. And you can essentially oh. say, hey, no, fuck you DM, I want this thing to happen. And I give them out whenever characters act in character against their own self interest. Uh, it's kind of my own internal motivation. For, for everyone else, Did, it sounds mm-hmm. like good role playing. <laughs> But I feel like that really gives characters the mechanical drive to do things that aren't murder-hobo-y. Where they're like, no, I will absolutely die to save that small child from this monster. And I'm like, awesome, perfect. You put your character sheet on a line. I want to reward you as a person for that.
0: Did you take that from uh, Fate? Because Fate kind of has a base mechanic that's around I... sacrifice equals like points that you can use later for...
1: Um, I've I've played a little bit of fate here and there, and that okay. might have been like one of the subconscious uh, draws okay. for it. Um,
0: and then they have uh, what's the? I saw inspiration. That's the other mechanic that's similar.
1: I saw something online that was pretty similar to it. Uh, it oh, might okay. have even been the fuck you DM card, but um, <laughs> I essentially didn't like how soft inspiration was because mm. to
0: me. It is just advantage or disadvantage. That's all it is.
1: Yeah, and I feel like you can get that so many other ways that this became hmm. something much more like, okay, you know what? No, I've earned my reward. I get to be the DM for 10 seconds uh, in my own self-interest
2: wow. because I was willing to do things against it. That's a lot more powerful. Instead of giving me a, a statistical advantage, mm-hmm. I have the agency to create a moment. Right? Yeah,
1: and my, I make great. my characters or I make my players rather write what they did with it on the back out of it slowly collecting them, and half the time, you can never remember why were you jumping through a gelatinous cube to save a book? <laughs> I don't know, man.
2: <laughs> but um, I did it for the group. <laughs> that is That's so cool.
0: That is so brilliant because I think that gets at the heart of what's what goes wrong when things become murder hoboey. Mm-hmm. It's that people stop thinking about. The situation as a story, and they just think about it as I have a hammer, I'm going to hit the thing. But if you give them the agency to do anything, you've and somehow you have to like teach them what anything can be.
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: Then it's it's essentially giving them the the spell wish.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you know, yeah, it's it's a one off and. What I've found is people really want to make it something that's true to their character yeah. and that also resonates with them as a player. Like, I've seen people save it up for session after session just <laughs> waiting. And I'm like, if you use it, I'll give you another one pretty shortly. <laughs> but they're so excited. <laughs> it's got to be something good. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yes.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always reluctant to use inspiration because, it, like you said, it, it's kind of, it's not a lot of a, a reward. But I do want to reward players for being in character and, and doing things that that, um, that enhance the gaming experience. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just really, what it boils down to is I forget. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> and I know for me as a DM, there was a big portion of trust there where it was, hmm. for a long time, I didn't trust my players to not be murder hobos. And so I kind of very tightly held the reins and said, no, you can't go that way. You can't mm-hmm. do that thing but i found that when they're get when players are given the freedom to go and make choices and not, you know, not have to worry as much and to be more willing to let that character sheet go if things don't pan out, the game becomes a lot more interesting. Hmm.
0: I don't think i've ever had a group get to that point. And part of it's i feel like i i hold the reins a little close.
2: Also, you have spent pretty much your entire DM experience running games for very, very new players. Yes,
0: yes. Over and over, I'm just like, let me get the people who have never played ever before because I want to I see how creative those people are. And I don't often see how creativity like uh, grows over time with, with a group.
2: And you love introducing new players, which yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you also owe it to yourself to... to let yourself witness people's play styles evolve as they become more familiar with the game.
1: And this is a group that has been playing together for like five years at this point too. So we, we all knew each other's characters, names and, you know, players get that card's frayed at the edges. (laughs) (laughs) Been holding on to this for six months, Jake. All right. (laughs) I think have, have we, Oh, sorry. Oh, I guess I, I, this is kind of a a closing thought here. I feel like ultimately, uh, murder Hobo tends to be born out of uh, Ignorance of what can be done in the game uh, mm-hmm. Not by any intentionality there um, Or by worrying too much about the mechanics And not enough about the narrative as a player yeah. And so the more we as DMs can The more we can do as DMs to reduce that The more likely our characters are Are gonna go and do cool things That isn't murder everything in sight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Agreed
0: Yeah, I think we'll end right there.
2: Thanks, Jake. Thank you. Thank you, Jens.
0: Next episode's topic is currently up in the air. As always, if you have comments or suggestions, reach out to us on Twitter at dungeon underscore tangent. Or go to our website, dungeonsandtangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.